2: The newest addition to the Talk of Champions family of advertisers is PropSwap.com. PropSwap.com is an online marketplace where you can buy and sell sports betting tickets. Whether it's a long shot future, a parlay with one game left, or even a straight bet at halftime, PropSwap lets you post your ticket for sale and lock in your money before the event is over. PropSwap is also a great place to purchase tickets from the comfort of your home at better odds than the sports books are offering. Go to PropSwap.com today, register for an account, and enter promo code below. Biloxi, that's Biloxi, B-I-L-O-X-I, for a deposit match up to $100. Ask Clay Travis, Cousin Sal, or Darren Rovell about the value of PropSwap and add it to your repertoire to make yourself a profitable sports better. PropSwap.com, that's PropSwap, P-R-O-P-S-W-A-P.com, promo code Biloxi. This is the Best of
0: Talk of Champions, brought to you by Modern Woodman.
2: The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, at Spirit, Ben on Twitter, going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Tutan Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vets. You should know the history by now. Drafted by the Saints, played for the Panthers, the Bills, the Jags, the Giants, the Texans. What's up, man? How you doing?
1: I'm well, man. How's it going, Ben? Good to talk to you, bro.
2: Man, I'm good. Thanks for coming on. We were catching up before we started recording, and I told the story, but I got to tell it now. And forgive me, I'll be a little long-winded, but before the relationship to Ole Miss changed and it became a job, young Ben was a massive, massive Ole Miss fan. And I would get the media guys that my dad would receive in July, August, study those things front to back. And as a former young, not-so-good offensive lineman, Tuton Reyes was one of the very first names I learned, one of the very first careers I followed. You are up there on the wall right beside Deuce McAllister and uh you know deuce is a good friend now and and it's a thrill man it's a thrill to have you on because like i said fan favorite especially for me and to meet the rebels out there on the field you'd walk out there and all y'all be gathered around i'd head for you first man so i appreciate you coming on dude and catching
1: up oh man i appreciate it that's amazing that's amazing you making me feel old now bro
2: i know see that's the thing that's the thing i tell that story (laughs) as a 34 year old and i'm like i wonder if two time feels a little bit old right now but hey look man, man the passage of time is beautiful. And your Ole Miss career, it was sweet, man. I mean, if you look back at it, 25 starts, 24 in a row left tackle during your final two seasons, back-to-back Independence Bowl wins. And, and to me, two of the most memorable bowl wins for Ole Miss, you think about beating Oklahoma with the Les Binkley kick, and that was the last loss that Oklahoma suffered before going on and being undefeated, winning a national championship. Um, David Cutcliffe's first game after Tommy Tuberville left in the middle of the night. So when you look back at Ole Miss and you think about Ole Miss all these years later, is that your favorite moment? What's your favorite moment when you think of Ole Miss?
1: I had to go back to the first time we had the LSU uh, in a while down there in Baton Rouge. I think that was 97, maybe. Yeah, I think that was a big one. Um, Obviously, all the Egg Bowl games, the the big fight down there. You talked about Deuce wins dude's laid out. I think it was a recruit down there in Starkville. So that was that, was, that was, on Thanksgiving night. That was, that was a good one. But the bowl games, definitely, man. Um, I think that, that bowl game against Oklahoma, that, that was uh, the independence bowl. That was crazy because it was the last game of the century, the whole Y2K thing. So everybody That's thought right. that the phones were going to cut off. And I know some of the younger rebel fans and the rebel nation, they're not going to, Remember this, but they, you know, thought the phones and the the computers, everything was going to cut off. So it was kind of cool to to get the last victory of the 90s, uh, of the 1900s and and of the 90s. And then also, as we said, Oklahoma went on and and went undefeated for like the next year and a half or something like that, and won a national championship. So that was definitely a dope game, man. But just all the memories. At that time, coming off of probation actually committing to Ole Miss while uh, Ole Miss was under, you know, under probation and everything and mm-hmm. just buying into the program back then and all the relationships that I made over the years with the guys and, you know, still talking to the fellas. Just about every other day I speak with somebody from from back then when we were playing, so it's dope between Ty Wade, Terrence Metcalf, obviously my man Derek Burgess, uh, Kamone Fisher, Quincy Washington, dudes from time to time. Uh, I spoke to Eli not too long ago, so you know, just just all the guys that that uh I played with. We shared some some great times as teenagers, as young men growing up, and then, uh, several of of us made it to the NFL too. So, you know, real real amazing times, old man. It's really
2: weird. The older you get, the stuff you remember from when you were a kid. And one of the things I remember outside of obviously. Tuton Reyes, the name, coming from Brooklyn to Mississippi. And I want to get into that in a second. But Kamon Fisher wearing 84. That was another one to me. Yeah. And I always remember <laughs> Kamon, man. I never understood it, but I thought it was so dope, him wearing 84 as a defensive tackle.
1: Yeah. I would tell you the funny story about that. So, so Kamon, I, I want to say he came in as a tight end. Um, yeah. And, and the funny thing, I, I actually moved – I came in as a tight end as well. But Coach Nall, uh, offensive line coach, great, great – great mentor of mine man and um I think Chris May was the center and it was 95 96 something like that we got there had to be 96 and then Chris May I want to say broke his hand so they took some guys that were athletic but I guess a a larger stature and they want to see him uh see us snap the ball to see if we could actually snap the ball and um I'm like all I I figure it's not too bad I played tight end I, I hated offensive linemen because in high school when I would score touchdowns, offensive linemen would get called for holding. Yeah. And a play would get called back, so I never wanted to play offensive line. But we go over there, Quincy Washington is like, Man, two, man, you better not snap that ball right. I'm like, why not? He's like, because if you snap the ball, it's going to move you to O-line. He's like, nah, it ain't going to move you to O-line, whatever. Kamon <laughs> said the same thing. So, Quincy goes over there with Coach Nall, throws the ball through his leg. Kamon does the same thing, throws the ball through his leg. I snap the ball straight up to the quarterback, and I do it a few times. But Coach Nall's like, let me see you do that again. So, I do it a couple more times. Man, before you know it, man, him and Coach Polenzio, they got me over there. Uh, sitting in the offensive line meeting rooms and all of this stuff. My number changed and all of that. So, come on. Kept the 84, movie defensive line. Uh, I wound up going from like 83 to 76. But, you know, I can't complain. They they literally sat there and told me that, hey, you either have an opportunity. Drew it on the chalkboard. So, you have an opportunity to play tight end here. But now we got Rufus French. You're not going to beat out Chris Mangum. They said you can be a decent tight end, get some reps, so you can move the offensive line and, and make a lot of money one day. they drew a dollar sign on the board, and they circled it. Coach Venezuel did. And I was like, man, I tell you what, if this don't work, I'm coming back for all of (laughs) y'all. It worked out, though, man. So I got nothing but love for those guys. They they really directed my my life as a young man. So I always send love to Coach P, Coach Nall, and everybody else that was part of that transition.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say, man. It worked out. And that dollar sign. Money is the greatest motivator, right, especially in sports. And so you you see that dollar sign, you know – um, you got a chance. It's funny that you bring up offensive linemen and the um, rather understated appreciation that there is for offensive linemen because you're absolutely right. Everybody else gets the glory. You don't ever get touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And that hit home because I remember my senior year of high school, I wasn't a good offensive lineman. But my senior year, there was a fumble in the end zone. The ball's right in front of me. And I'll be damned if the guard that played next to me, I was the center, didn't dive on it before me. That was my chance. And ah, that, that's, it, that's what I'm that's saying. The glory,
1: man. Yeah. That's the story. You can tell a grandkid. Yeah.
2: And I was too slow. I mean, that's the story of my career. I was always too slow. I wanted to be a tight end. No, bro, you can't be a tight end when you're running like a mid-fives, man. That's just not going to ever happen. But uh, <laughs> it's really fascinating, your recruitment, man. Like I mentioned, you come from Brooklyn. How did you get from Brooklyn to Mississippi? Who recruited you? Who was all involved there? Why was Mississippi, why was Ole Miss a draw for you, especially considering the circumstances? Again, Ole Miss being under probation at the time, Tommy was taking over in what was, without a doubt, one of the uh-huh. toughest times for Ole Miss.
1: Oh yeah, man. So what happened was I was um, <clears throat> I was born in Brooklyn. Um, I think I was around 11 years old, and my mother moved to uh, right outside of Atlanta. She moved to Decatur, Georgia. And when I would wake up on Saturday mornings, most kids would be outside playing or, or watching, you know, cartoons or what have you. I found Jefferson Pilot Sports, and I was like, man, I love football. Wow. So I would watch, I would watch football from like 10, 11 in the morning, all afternoon. And I would see, back then, Tennessee had the check-in end zone. I would see Ole Miss playing with the powder blue helmets. Um, I would see Alabama, Florida, the Swamp. All, I was like, this is football. This is what it's supposed to be like, because it wasn't like that in New York. Back in New York, it was straight basketball and baseball. Those were the dominant sports, right? So we we lived in Decatur literally three three months, maybe. My mother didn't like it. We moved back to New York. So then I moved to Queens with the high school and middle school in Queens, and – um. I started playing ball, so I'm playing tight end. And then John Lovett came up there, he was actually at Maine at the time. And back then, this is the 90s again, dating myself. Maine used to run this run and shoot offense, kind of like the Houston Oilers did with Warren Moon back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, four wide receivers, maybe a big tight end. So I was a tight end that could actually split out, play wide receiver. And um, he was recruiting me from Maine, but then he got the job at Old Miss. I think he was a secondary coach back then, so he continued to recruit me. Um, you know, thought I was an athlete, came to a couple of games, came to a basketball game, saw me play basketball and everything, and um, I came down here with my, my guy, Lichman Alexander, another guy from New York. Um, he played running back for the Rebels for maybe a year, and then, then uh, unfortunately things didn't go his way, but we said, you know what, we played uh, pop wanted together, high school ball together. We said if we can continue this going, we're going to play college ball together and hopefully go to the pros. You know, It was just a pipe dream for some two kids from New York, but uh, we both signed to Ole Miss. Unfortunately, he went to JUCO first. Uh, I came down in 95, and, and yeah, man, I did my recruiting trip. We just knew we wanted to play together. And, again, it kind of went back to playing in the SEC, to what I saw a few years ago when I moved to Decatur. Gator. So I'm like, yeah, if I could play in the SEC against these these teams and and, and, and really put some, some good film together, I may have a shot to go to the NFL. So literally that was my dream as a kid. So I put this whole plan together, you know, North Pole to South Pole is what I call it, going from Southside Jamaica Queens uh, to Oxford, Mississippi. And, um, you know, it worked out. Again, a beautiful time at Ole Miss. Was able to come down and, and had nothing but love for the Ole Miss family from from the 90s. And, and to this day, you know, I'm doing this interview with, with you right now. So, it just shows how much love that I continue to get. My son Ty went there for a few years and graduated last year or earlier this year. So, you know, nothing but love. And, and it all worked out.
2: It's such an adjustment, though, man, to think – because I love New York, my brother lived there for a couple of years, mm-hmm. to think of mm-hmm. being born and raised there, even if you spent a few months in Georgia, to then uproot yourself and move to Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, God, man, just culturally, everything, yeah. it had to be such a drastic change for you.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely a culture shock. And and I would have never thought prior to um, seeing football in the South, you know, watching football, knowing the SEC was the dominant conference even back then, and having a dream of making it to the NFL. I would have never thought that my journey would have taken me through Oxford, Mississippi and playing for the old Miss Rebels, but it did. It was a culture shock. I, I tell people all the time, it's like New York, even as a high school kid, if you're going out to party, or hang out or whatever, you know, you start partying 11 to 12 o'clock at night. Back then, everything shut down at 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> you know what I mean, So, so it, was, it was kind of a culture shock, you know what I mean? Simple things like walking on campus, it, it, you know, Going through the Grove before you go to campus in New York, nobody speaks to, to, to each other as you're walking in the street. It's, just like, it's like a rat race. Everybody's just going to where they have to get to. If somebody says, "Hey, or what's up?" in New York, you're like, "What's up?" Like, you know, what's going on? What do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Down here, people, Ole Miss, was like, "Hey, what's up?" I'm like, "What's up?" And they're like, "No, nah, I'm saying hello." <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, "Okay, you know, you're not used to people speaking to you, so holding the door like, open for check. you and
2: all that kind of stuff."
1: Yeah, it was a whole adjustment, man. But again, it it was dope and it actually helped me, um, help me see a whole different demographic of people in the world and and realize that you know what what my bubble was in Southside, Jamaica, Queens, and Brooklyn, growing up uh, predominantly around um around Black people and Hispanic people, um, that was not the totality of the world. So, you know, so it was a whole different demographic in Ole Miss. Um, I instantly became understood what a minority was, you know what I mean? But then again, it's, I still, I can't say it enough. I received so much love that I still was I was treated as a human being. So that was amazing for me. And and, and that's why I, I really have no regrets about the decision I made to attend Ole Miss.
2: See, that's the thing that I think Ole Miss fights, even to this day. I mean, because of its past, mm-hmm. Ole Miss is always viewed or treated in a certain way. And I think Sinquez Golson, former Ole Miss cornerback said it best. If you don't want to go to Ole Miss, don't visit. Because once you visit, once you get past all of the noise and all the bad things that you hear and you get here, you realize how progressive of a place Ole Miss has become and how far it's come Mm -hmm. in trying to distance itself from what was a past it's not proud of. Ole Miss now, I think, a good example of progress. And and that's something that this university, these people in town just – They've all tried to put forth a valiant effort in making that happen and making players black, white, brown, doesn't matter, feel welcome.
1: Well, I think what it is is people have a a preconceived notion of anything that they're about to encounter or get into prior to them encountering or getting into it, right? So even – when I was saying that I want to go to old Miss, and, and back in the 1995, I would have people saying things, some really ignorant things like don't get lynched and, you know, and don't be careful of this. And obviously because of what the history was in in, in Mississippi, right, um, I didn't know anything about that because I'm from New York, and again, I was in my own bubble. So as I started to do the research, uh, you know, coming on campus, you would see the Confederate flags back then, but the, the trans to your point, the progression. Coach Tubberville was like, "Nah, we can't recruit uh, black athletes when they come on campus, and the first thing they see on frat row is, a, is a, a, a Confederate flag." So he had that taken down. He was part of the mission to take that down back then. I think it was uh, chancellor as well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So now, fast forward. You 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 really I think you have to deal with people how they deal with you, right? So if you have a preconceived notion and you go into uh, interview, you go into uh, any kind of interaction and you have this mindset that something negative is going to happen or your experience is going to be negative, you're going to be approaching it from that angle. But if you actually take it for face value, take it for as work, and then learn about the environment you're in, learn about the people that you're in, and base your experiences or your feelings off of that, then that'll tell you how to navigate through the remainder of your days, right? I didn't have any issues at Ole Miss when I came down here. You know what I mean? And if it was, it may have been a one-off with a certain person. That ain't just my thinking about the university as a whole or about Mississippi as a whole. It it, it made me feel about that one individual that I had in the action with. You know what I'm saying? So I think as a young man or young woman that that that's um, thinking about coming to Ole Miss, they may not have that mindset. And that's the thing. You have to be knowledgeable enough to know, you know what, this interaction or, or, or the history doesn't necessarily say what the future is going to hold, you know, behold, I should say. So again, if, if if I had those issues, my son went there and just graduated this year, Ty, you know, I wouldn't vouch for him to go to Ole Miss. You know what I mean? I wouldn't sit there and, and do these interviews. I wouldn't um, root for the Rebels when they when they go out and play. I still talk to some of the guys that I do know through Ty you know but again I had nothing but positive experiences so I'm basing it off of my experiences somebody else has a negative experience okay you deal with that with the person that you had a negative experience about you know that doesn't represent the university as a whole and it hasn't for me
2: it's well said and kind of getting back to football here you played with some characters we talked about Deuce we talked about Eli I got a couple questions about them but first Deuce here's the big question Deuce is a friend he's been on this podcast countless times love the guy to death his take on that fight in the Egg Bowl (laughs) It's as if it was Jon Snow in Game of Thrones against, you know, everybody, right? <laughs> he was by himself, taking on everybody. What was the fight? And when you found out that Deuce is out there scrapping, because I think just special teams for Ole Miss at the time, did everybody just run really? out of the tunnel ready to go? We'll get right back to Tutan Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vet, in this edition of Talk of Champions, after I to tell you briefly about Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of this podcast, and the one that brings you the Modern Woodman phone line. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi, and what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions.
1: The story is so dang old, funny, man. So we we obviously is a, a big robbery with Mississippi State, right? We're down there Starkville, Thanksgiving, and um to your point, the special I think the special teams were out there first, and maybe yep. some of the receivers or something like that. So um we didn't the big fellas, the linemen, the, the linebackers, we didn't know what was going on at first because we're the last groups to go out, so we're still in our locker room. So back then, there's this Coach Benji Pierce. He's our strength coach, now. This is so funny. So he's out there typically getting the guys ready to, to go on the field, sending the position groups out. And then after a while, he comes in. He has his high-pitched voice. So he comes back in the locker room yelling, hey, get up. Get, get your butts out there. these got to fight. He's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Stop up. Let's go. They're fighting. Goddamn, let's go. So we're like, what, the, what is he talking about? He's like, get your ass outside now. So we know, just throw a helmet on and run out. And when I say it was a whole melee going on, and obviously Mississippi State being the home team, they had their bigger positions out first. So they had their D-linemen. They had their linebackers out there ready. And we're running out, basically running into a war, like what's going on? You know, and you just see people swinging, helmets flying, you see, if uh, you look at that old tape, you see Tim Strickland running through the air doing a yep. flying karate kick at somebody. <laughs> Ronnie Hurd throwing somebody's helmet. Dude's laying somebody out. Corey Corey Peterson running. Yes, Corey was running. <laughs> um, and Adam Bettis back then, he he was throwing a couple of, of licks. It was so funny. But the big guys, we really by the time we got in there, out there, it was it was winding down and they were breaking up the fight, but. Watching the video and seeing what happened, um, what happened was, and hearing John Avery talk about it, what happened was some of the big guys from um, Mississippi State were walking through the, the warm-up drills and where the yeah. running backs were stretching. So they kind of walked it. through with John. Yeah, you, and that's, that's like an unwritten reference. is the ultimate sign of disrespect. If you see my group over here stretching, and you're the opposing team, you walk around. So they literally came out. You know, walk through the group, bump John, start talking junk. John goes back and forth with somebody. They start fighting. Deuce starts fighting. Um, and then, again, they had their big guys out there. And to, to me, it was more like self-defense. If you get, if you have, you know, twenty maroon jerseys coming at you, and there's only three of you. Of course, you're gonna be doing whatever you have to do to make sure you make it back to the locker room or defend yourself. You know, so I think some guy ran up to Deuce and was talking junk, and a bunch of guys was around him and. Deuce just hauled off
0: on (laughs) him. Well,
2: Deuce knew. Deuce knew. I think that they were gunning for him. They knew. They knew that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So it's so funny to me that Deuce, rather than look out and say, "Okay, there's a numbers game here," he just backed into a corner like a bulldog. Just said, "Screw it, I'm going," and he just started flinging, you know, hands everywhere. Yeah.
1: And that and that's who he was. Like he was he was real mild mannered, you know what I mean. But he, he don't take junk for nobody. Tough tough kid. I call him a kid. He's a little bit younger than me. Tough guy, man. He, he don't take junk for nobody. And um, <laughs> I just I just remember, and you know, I'm not to, not to laugh at the young man that kind of got you know got his face busted, but he ran up on Deuce and Deuce just wasn't having it and Deuce. Deuce Gave him the I mean, real quick, so I mean, come it. on! That's part of the deal, you know. <laughs> that's part of the deal. John Avery used to tell us. John Avery used to tell us, "Hit a B before a B hits you," and that's what Deuce did. <laughs> he hit somebody before they could hit him. So I, you know, I ain't mad at it.
2: Eli was after you. I mean, he came along, but when you saw him for the first time, did you know? Did you know he was special?
1: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. The one story I remember of, of, of Eli's that year he came. His freshman year was my senior. So, Romero Miller was still getting uh, all the reps and everything. Uh, Romero did a fantastic job while we were there at Ole Miss. But I came back and I saw Eli during the um, during the spring game. And I was training for the draft and everything, came back, and I saw Eli throw it about 75 yards in the air. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, this kid is going. He, he has what it takes. But prior to that, though, even Mr. Manning – uh, and Cooper, who with the Ole Miss, Cooper used to tell us that, you know, even though Eli, I mean, me, even though uh, Peyton was, was real good, and, and obviously Archie did his thing, made it to the league, and Peyton was the first-round pick and everything, he said, Eli has what it takes to, to, to be the next one up, and we kind of like, nah, have you seen what Peyton's been doing over the years, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah man, but Eli definitely did his thing, man, had a brief opportunity to play with him when I was on the Giants briefly and I think it was '09. 9 So I'm just happy for his career and uh, what he's been able to do, what he's been able to represent. Obviously, model citizen, done, did everything the right way, won a couple of Super Bowls on the way. That, that don't hurt at all either. So I'm um, real, real happy for Eli. And he, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, which was win.
2: Retired. You're going to have his number retired by Ole Miss. You think he's a Hall yep. of Famer?
1: Absolutely, hands down. Hands down. He retired from the league with I think he was maybe the top seven – no, he was at least seventh in the top five quarterback category. So that's passing yards, passing touchdowns, um, uh, reception oh, – not uh, completions, I should say. So several of the passing, uh, t- passing records, he was in the top at seven at least. Not to say he was seventh, but some he was top five. You know what I mean? So, and he had two Super Bowl rings, so there's no question in mind that, yeah. that Eli is a is Hall of Fame. Guy, when it comes to the NFL, and anybody that says that just hasn't studied his career uh, long enough or is focusing more on the negative than they are the positive, because he definitely did his thing in New York with the Giants. I'm a Giants fan too, and I'm with the Ole Miss, so obviously I'm biased. I uh, know him as a young man, but still, his body of work on the field, he definitely is a Hall of Famer.
2: I don't understand the debate. You look in the Hall of Fame, how many guys won two Super Bowls in both times in both games with Super Bowl MVP? They don't win without his right. throws. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. I I just, To me, it's not even a a discussion. He's a Hall of Famer. But you bring up a really interesting point that you got to play with Eli in 2009 when you were with the Giants. The relationship with other Rebels, especially those that come behind you, the young guys that you maybe didn't play with. Of course, you're going to have a relationship with Deuce and John Avery when they go to the Dolphins, the Saints. But those other guys that come up, is it the still same kind of fraternity, camaraderie with guys, even if you didn't play with them, just because it's Ole Miss and they came from where you came from.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I think, um, obviously, we, we become the old guys, you know what I mean? And it's funny to see it, but I, I want to say my, <clears throat> my generation, we were, at least to my knowledge, we were the first generation of, of Ole Miss Rebels that had so many people in the league at one time. You know, I started five offensive linemen and all went to the NFL and our backup guys. So I was at left tackle. Uh, Terrence Metcalf, my brother, my roommate, he was at left guard. Uh, my senior year, this is, and Ben Claxton was at center. Um, Keith Vincent was at right guard. Big Todd Wade was at right tackle. And then we had Shane Grice as a backup. So all all five, uh, six of us went to the NFL, right? And then, of course, we had uh, Ronnie Hurd. He had he made it to the league. Uh, Kendrick Clancy. So all of us, Yeah, Stackhouse, Deuce, obviously. Um, All of us made it to the league, you know, and Amiga Spearman. So we were the first group that really had so many people in the NFL at one time, and then it just kind of expanded and blew up from there. So now you see some of the younger guys that they may recognize us, or more so when they come through Ole Miss, always. Now uh, Ole Miss, the the, the equipment staff has done a tremendous job and everybody down there building out the the, – the indoor facility, and you see our names are up there, our pictures are up there, um, you know, it's almost like paying homage to some of the guys that came before them. So when they see us and they recognize us, then it's definitely all love. And obviously when we get a chance to come back and catch some games, you get a chance to talk to some of the guys that are there and, and put a bug in their ears. just wishing the best, giving a, uh, a couple of pointers, things that you see, maybe watching the game that they may not get. And it comes from a different perspective as – it's a player that's been there and it's a player that's uh, been to where they want to get to so you know it's always love when when you see some of the younger guys that um. with social media now everybody's connected so yeah. it's yeah. always love when you talk to some of the younger guys that, that are rebels now
2: so there's pride when you see DK Metcalf AJ Brown doing their thing
1: oh yeah Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, D.K. my nephew, man. So uh, Terrence, Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Terrence, Terrence was my roommate, and, um, you know, and Ty, we had him about the same time. So Ty, Ty and D.K. used to, you know, make noise in the dorm room back in the days and everything. Actually, D.K. was on our podcast, on uh, the Behind the, Mask, Behind the Mask podcast with Takiyo Spice and I not too long ago. He did a great interview, so definitely appreciate that. Uh, Pat Willis, he came after us, but he's still, he, he's become a friend. He's been on a podcast as well. So definitely the younger guys that are coming up always show love to the older guys that have been there and
2: paved the way. Well, you mentioned all the talent you had. Tubb was really responsible for that because, again, coming off of probation, the recruiting he had to do, he, he did miracle work in many ways in terms of bringing talent yeah. to Oxford. So I got to ask you before we get out of here, when he left, what was your response to it?
1: No, so I'm I'm vocal about this, man. I've talked about it over the years. I think it was I think it was cowardly. You know what I mean? And and the reason I say that it was because of how it it all happened, right? So we heard the rumblings of it prior to the game, like literally before the game. I think uh, I guess it was the Mississippi State game. So right before the game, you started hearing rumblings about it, and we, I think we had like a little meeting prior to the game, and and Coach Nall again, our offensive line coach, was was talking to us, but the way he was talking and Coach Tubb was were talking, were like it was a bit different in the, in the conversation. So it was like, all right, this may happen, but we still had a game to focus on. So after the game, again, the conversation was when you get older, there's going to be a time in your life where you got to do things that's best for your family, I love you, blah, 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 blah. it was almost like saying goodbye without saying goodbye. And this was Coach Knopf, right? But we didn't hear anything from Coach Tubb because he said he ain't going nowhere we didn't hear anything about that till the following morning on ESPN, where they said he left at like two in the morning <laughs> and went to Auburn. Now he's going to be the coach of Auburn. So we were pissed. We, like, bro, we, we came, we bought into what you, as young men, we bought into what you were selling. And for me, like, I came from New York, and, and from me vouching for Ole Miss, I got a lot of guys from the Northeast to come down here the Derrick Burgesses, Tyler Williams you know what I'm saying, uh, Andre Harrison. So a lot of us came down back then from the Northeast based off of Coach Tubb and what he was preaching. So for him to leave like that and not even have the, the, the I guess the, the the comfort or whatever it might be to, to, to say, look, this is a, a business decision. This is why I'm leaving. To me, that was cowardly. I think he could have handled it better. But then again, I don't even know if coaches do that now. So maybe that's just the way things you know how it operates, but I think he could have handled it better. And the worst way for us to hear about it, if it, that that bitter taste was to see see it on ESPN the following morning.
2: And now he's about to be a senator, a United States. How senator. about that? Oh my God! I heard, <laughs> I heard about that.
1: So it was funny. I went to the I went to the Auburn game last year uh, with the Keo spike down to Auburn, and Coach Tubb was actually in one of the booths next to us. It's killed like, man, you wanna go over there and talk to him? I was like, nah, he got it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm all right, man. I'm gonna chill am at. But you know, it ain't it ain't There's no love loss, it's no hate gain. Um it it's just is what it is, you know what I mean? I, if he makes it a senator for him personally, I, you know, happy for him, good for him. It's all good. It's is he helped me get to where I wanted to go. So again, there's never no love loss, no hate gain and like that. It just kinda is what it is.
2: All right, last one, are you gonna watch the Florida game on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna try to catch him, man. I got some running around to do. Definitely gonna try to catch him. Want to see what uh, Coach Kiffin can do, man. He he obviously offensive mastermind can develop talent, get young men to buy in, and can tr- turn a program around. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does. You know, Matt Corral has the arm for the Lane Kiffin type type offense when you want to get the ball down the field. Um, but then again, I was at the LSU game last year, and I saw what Pl- Plumlee was able to do when he was out there. You know, what I'm saying he could do his thing with his with his feet. Um, Snoop Con out there, Ely, home run waiting to happen. Um, I'm I'm happy for Elijah Moore. It seems like he's gonna be the next NWO member to take his talents to Sunday. Um, uh, but it's gonna be a tough game. I'm not gonna lie, just because I think Florida has the experience up front on the offensive line and our defensive line, while they have some talent, I don't know that they have the depth needed to, to to go into there and really uh, matchup so it'll be an interesting game obviously I hope the, the Rebels come out and get that win um but yeah I'm gonna I'm do my best to catch it man definitely gonna do my best to catch it now, I want to see my young homie Rada Anderson be healthy this year and do his thing because I think he's an incredible talent out there when he's healthy can get after the quarterback um hopefully the Rebels could, could put some some stuff together and start off the season right
2: He's Tutan Reyes, former Old Offensive Lineman, 10 year NFL vet at Tuton Reyes on Twitter. He got his own podcast with taquio Spikes Behind the Mask. Check that out wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for doing this, man. It was a thrill. I appreciate it. We'll do it again.
1: Absolutely appreciate it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day.